Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. I want to thank you again for the opportunity to uh, just be able to invest in you uh, as you listen to this podcast. As a leader, you know that the on-ramp of leadership always uh, looks like learning, that you're expanding your possibilities, you're taking another step in your leadership journey. Hey, before I get into this particular lesson, Why Leadership is Hard, I want to mention a book that I wrote uh, many years ago called Leadership According to 1 Corinthians 13. I wrote that book because it became clear to me after fielding questions from a lot of different kind of leaders and a lot of different kinds of organizations that one of the constants was people wanted to know how to handle issues when there was conflict on their team. And uh, I began to look and began to see that most everything that was written on conflict was more a reaction to what had happened rather than being able to prevent something from happening. So I went to 1 Corinthians 13 because of the context. Now, the context of that particular chapter starts in chapter 12, where it talks about people beginning to discover their leadership roles, their leadership positions, how God may want them to lead and and how leadership looks to them. And then chapter 14, what happens when someone becomes disruptive uh, with their leadership uh, position and leadership authority and the call to do everything decently and in order. But in between those two chapters is what we call the love chapter. Unfortunately, we tend to pull it out of context. That chapter was written to teach leaders how to get along with other leaders That's what it was written for. Between chapter 12 on leadership, chapter 14 on leadership, people discovering their leadership skills, people misusing their leadership skills, Uh, God was saying, I want to teach you how you begin to uh, prevent leadership from becoming a dysfunction in your organization. So in 1 Corinthians 13, what you find is that there are 15 uh, qualifiers on 15 principles on how to walk conflict-free. So I wrote that book more as a proactive uh, moment to prevent conflict, and I believe that it can help a lot of you. Uh, In fact, uh, one of the things I tell people who do what I do, pastors, is that everyone on your team needs to have that book. Everyone on your team needs to read that book. You need to have an intense dialogue with your team. If you're interested in that book, you can uh, go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and you can order it online. That being said, why leadership is hard. Why leadership is hard. Um, If leadership were easy, everyone would do it. If leadership were a comfortable action, then everyone would be aspiring to it. But the simple truth of the matter is, is that leadership isn't always easy, and for sure it's not always comfortable. But why is leadership hard? Well, let me give you a few reasons. One, it's hard because being criticized for actions when you cannot tell the whole story. Being criticized for actions when you cannot tell the whole story. Now, let me just uh, insert this. Uh, I'm a pastor. That's the kind of organization that I lead, though I spend a whole lot of time talking to uh, business groups. Uh, This is uh, my bread and butter, so I'm going to talk from that context. 
As a pastor, uh, I realize that there are times when I will be criticized for actions, and people will say, well, they did this for this reason, or they did this because of this, and I'm not able to tell them everything that's going on. And the reason is most leaders have a fiduciary responsibility. Uh, That just simply means is that there's legal obligations that they have to live with. See, everyone else gets to process church as an individual. But as a pastor and as being someone in the highest level of that congregation, I have to process it based on organizational well-being. So there's a difference between what an individual sees and what you can do as an organization. And that difference is usually legally called fiduciary responsibilities. Those in high positions have to think in terms of organization and not just individuals. So uh, let me segue and and illustrate it this way. Uh, I've been blessed that the majority of time that I've been in ministry, I've had nothing but wonderful people to work with. Uh, the people who attend my church, even people who left my church, uh, are people that I would consider wonderful individuals. However, there was one individual who uh, tended to be very ruthless when it came to me. Uh, this individual was just an avid critic of everything I did. He was an individual that uh, would uh, wordsmith things that I had said to make them sound like I had said something else. He would uh, really promote conspiracy theories behind every decision. But here's the interesting thing. I had people in my church that would really listen to this man, and I would have to come behind and try to resolve that. But what I couldn't do was tell the whole story. See, the whole story was that this individual had a police background. He had something in his past that only a couple of us knew. And I think because we knew this, he was angry at us, even though we hadn't been the reason that these events had happened in his life, and he was the reason these events happened in his life. We're sitting there, and he became ruthless. Well, if I ever would have stood up in the pulpit or among a group of individuals and said, let me tell you the background of this individual who is my ruthless critic, I'm telling you, if people would have known that, they would have gone, my goodness, Pastor, we are so sorry. We are so sorry that we gave heed to information that was basically being broadcast by someone who had a shadow agenda based on something that they did that we legally could not say. So leadership is hard because a lot of times I'm going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized for actions, and you can't tell the whole story. I can't stand up and tell what this individual did. And I can't tell because it would violate some of the integrity issues that I have to have based on fiduciary responsibility. So when you're being criticized and you know that you are being criticized and you can't tell the whole story, that makes leadership hard. Secondly, having to remain silent when others get to talk. 
having to remain silent when others get to talk. Now, this is a little bit different uh, than the first one. What this refers to is that uh, there's a code of conduct uh, in the military called the Uniform Code of Conduct. It's how you conduct yourself. And it's the expectation that when you take on that uniform, you're going to act in accordance to that uniform code of conduct. Well, in ministry, there are principles of integrity that every minister has to live by. And that means that when someone has confided in you and has given you delicate information about their life, we don't have a right to go tell it. We don't have a right to uh, go and communicate that. And even when they're talking and maybe they're saying something that's a little bit off, um, you, because of principles of integrity, don't get to go and correct that publicly. Now, you might individually bring that person in and say, hey, you know that you're saying some things that could be misrepresented in the eyes of the hearer, and because you are saying it, uh, you and I both know the background to this. And see, there's a real important reason why when uh, you're high in an organization, especially if it's a church organization, that you can't uh, say everything you know, even when others are talking. And that is that if you ever start divulging things that were said in confidence, no one's going to trust you. Now, you may feel like, hey, I have every right to communicate this information based on how it's being distilled into my uh, organization. But if you ever start telling everything you know about a marriage, everything you know about an individual, then what you're going to do is in helping yourself that moment, you're going to create an environment where people will not be able to come to you because they'll say, well, if I tell them something, it's going to be told in a different forum. Um, It's amazing some of the things that I've been told in life. And as I've been told those things, I've had to handle them with integrity. And here's the truth. I have to handle them integrity even if the person who told me the information doesn't handle them with integrity because I have to protect that next individual who really needs a pastor from being able to come in and get the information that they need without feeling like there will be public disclosure of what they're saying. So one, being criticized for actions when you can't tell the real story. Two, having to remain silent when others uh, get to talk. And three, taking a hit for mistakes others have made. Now, uh, this was several years ago, and it was an event that happened. Literally, I'm in my office and uh, on the admin side. We own two corners uh, of uh, the street that we're on, and the admin side is where I spend most of my time. And I am literally uh, have a desk. It's a stand-up desk. I don't like sitting, so I'm standing most of the time that I'm writing. And all of a sudden, a call comes into our church, and it's from the police department that we need to have an immediate lockdown to lock our building. And the reason is because gunmen are approaching our building. Now, you've got to understand that this is the worst-case scenario, to think that someone with uh, an agenda is going to come into your building and start shooting people. Well, you're sitting there, and you hear this, and everyone goes into lockdown mode. The police come. They end up grabbing the individuals that were in – 
military uniforms, military equipment, and begin to grab them. And I mean, this thing is really, really tense. But here's the issue. The people who were attacking our building were not people that we didn't know. They were people that we did know. In fact, it was my youth staff. See, my youth staff had come up with this creative idea that we're going to teach spiritual warfare. And in teaching spiritual warfare, we're going to create sort of this video. And this video is going to be uh, about how you handle an attack. So the video shows them attacking our church. Now, we happen to be on a corner in the city we're in where over 350,000 cars come by at a day. Literally, cars can be stopped during rush hour for uh, nearly nine minutes as they're waiting to get through the lights and the lights begin to change. And so just imagine if you're driving by and all of a sudden you're seeing people dressed in military gear uh, with what looks like real guns heading towards a building. What would you do? You'd call the police. That's what happened. Now, on top of this, um, just a few weeks before, there had been the unfortunate uh, police uh, event where they had to go into a church where there was an active shooter. And that had been on the news. So people who are literally stopped at the light are watching this, and as they're watching this, they're calling 911. 911 doesn't have a clue. All of a sudden, we're being told to shut down, and then, lo and behold, it's my youth ministers. Wow. I'd like to tell you that uh, that book, 1 Corinthians 13, um, about love, I was not in that loving mood. In fact, I had lost that loving feeling. When I found out that it was my youth ministers that had literally been uh, handcuffed and put against the wall by the police, I'm livid. The reason I'm livid is that we have some principles. One, there's never to be a skit on our property with a gun. Uh, because we never want someone thinking that if they see a gun, that it's not the real thing, because unfortunately in other church shootings that has happened. Number two, not only that, but we don't even allow balloons uh, that can pop and make the sound, because we tell everyone if you hear a sound that sounds like a gun, it is a gun. We want people to react. So we've set all these protocols, and then my youth staff creates this moment. I'm telling you, the police officer, uh, sergeant, came up to me, and he said, Pastor, what do you want to do? Uh, I told him to shoot the people. I know that wasn't Christian. I know that wasn't godly, but I was really frustrated at that time. Uh, He just sort of looked at me, and he said, I can't do that. I said, I get it. I said, I'm just frustrated that, one, people— driving by, saw this happening, and were concerned, were thankful for that, too, that you had to mobilize your SWAT uh, team to come out here, three, to find out that it's uh, my young people being overly creative. Let me just insert, just because you have a creative team doesn't mean you want to use their creativity. This was very creative, but it was not the wise use of creativity. But here's the deal. I'm responsible for everything that happens in this organization. Whether I was involved in the idea, involved in the decision, I'm responsible. So here's what I can tell you. There are times as a leader, leadership is hard, and I have to take the hit. 
I have to take the hit. I have to be the one who apologizes to people for things that I wasn't personally involved in, but I'm the leader. I take the hit. And because of that, I had to have frequent conversations with a number of parents, a number of civic organizations, explaining to them and saying, it's my fault. Not because I came up with the idea, not because I approved the idea, not because I would have executed the idea, but because I'm in charge. And leadership is hard because you get to take the hit for mistakes others have made. You get to take the hit for mistakes others have made. So being criticized for actions when you can't tell the real story, having to remain silent when others get to talk, taking a hit for mistakes others have made. Number four, being committed to a team when the team may not be committed to you. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background. Um, I'm often intrigued by the number of books that are written on team building. And in fact, the number of Christian books that are written on team building. And I'm intrigued by this because they tend to fail to bring up one of the realities of team in our society. And that is that everyone considers themselves a free agent. So at a moment's notice, I can pick up and leave doesn't matter what it does to the organization. It doesn't matter what it does to the existing team. It doesn't matter what it does to the existing agenda. I can pick up and leave at a moment's notice. Why? Because I have to do what I think's best. In fact, when I'm teaching pastors, I have this phrase. The only time I've ever heard uh, staff members say I've been praying is right before they come tell me that they're leaving. Now, What I can tell you is I'm committed to my team. I'm committed to make sure that to the best of our ability, my team is taken care of, to the best of uh, our organization ability that we are giving them the best resources. I'm committed. But one of the things that's hard about leadership is what if you're committed to the team and someone on the team isn't committed to the team? So being committed to the team when someone on the team may not be committed to the team That makes leadership hard. Number five, creating a team atmosphere when the players keep changing. Now, this is a little bit uh, about the last thought, too. But as a leader, every time a person changes, you don't change just one person. If you've ever done the math of relationship, there's an exponential increase. No matter who the person is on your team, they have relationships with other people on the team. They interact with other people on the team. They have good days with other people on the team. They have bad days with other people on the team. And so anytime a piece of the team moves, it has ripple effects throughout the team. And so how do you create a team atmosphere when the pieces of the team keep being moved around on you. See, it's one thing if you're in baseball and you know who your shortstop is, you know who your closer is, you know who your third baseman is, but if every inning all of a sudden different people run out there, if every inning you have a different batting order, if every inning all strategy leaves. But we can't change that. We can't change in this world that people do make decisions that sometimes are challenging for those of us that are a leader because we're investing in them, we're planning as though they're going to be here, and then they move on. 
So that being said, uh, creating a team atmosphere when the players keep changing. Number six, making sacrifices that no one will ever see. One of the things that uh, is really challenging is to realize that as a leader, uh, you have to make sacrifices. Now, let me go back. One of the things I teach all over this country is you can learn skills of leadership from the world, but you can only learn the heart of leadership from Christ. That's the only place. And that confuses people when we use the word leader and we see people in the world who have great leadership skills, but they don't have a great leader's heart. And that confuses people. But in Christendom, we get to have leadership skills, but a leadership heart. And one of the things that I say is when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. It's no longer what's best for you. It's what's best for others. It's no longer what is comfortable for you. It's what elevates the organization to its highest level. Now, I say that to you because uh, in 2008, it's going to be May of that year, I'm going to catch on to the fact that something's happening in our economy. Now, thank God that we were able to track it, but the bottom's going to fall out from under us. A third of our income is going to stop in literally a 45-day period. Now, I know some of you, you're a part of organizations that uh, your cash flow is so positive. As I like to tell people, we're a nonprofit, and we take that seriously. Um, we, we spend every dollar we can on ministry to help everyone we can, whenever we can, however we can. So in May, I began to realize we are burning through everything. And I have to immediately begin to make decisions. Well, at the time, it's now 10 years later, so I now say it somewhat publicly. But we got to the place that I knew people wouldn't get paid on our staff. But I wanted the people to get paid on our staff. I didn't want the young person out there who's beginning in ministry not to get a paycheck. I didn't want the person who's cutting the grass not to get a paycheck. And so I went to Jenny, my wife, and I said, sweetheart, I've run the numbers. Uh, God's free to bring us a fish with a gold coin. Uh, I'm willing to go fishing tonight. But if he doesn't do that, I've got to make a decision. And the decision was one of two things pay everyone else, or I went to Jenny and I said, sweetheart, you and I are going to forego our checks. I can't tell you how long, but we are going to forego our checks. Now, like I said, we're 10 years after. This is now history. But what I can tell you is I'm not opposed to asking someone else to take a cut as long as I take the first hit as long as I make the first sacrifice. But when I was making those sacrifices, nobody knew it. The board knew it, but nobody else did. And it was frustrating at times to hear people say things without them being aware of the sacrifice that was being made. Now, I say that to you because that's the fleshly side. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do it in a second. Um, I believe the leader always takes the first hit. 
I believe that the leader always makes the first sacrifice. I don't believe the leader should be the last sacrifice, though. He should be the first one, or she should be the first one. Now, that being said, uh, in leadership, whether it's that pronounced or other things, what I know is leadership is hard because if you're high up in leadership, you're going to make sacrifices that no one else will see, no one else will know about. And that's one of the reasons. Number seven, having to make decisions without all the facts. Having to make decisions without all the facts. Now, many times people will come in retrospect and say, why did you make that decision? But the difference between making a decision and asking why a decision was made is usually the difference between having limited facts and having history on your side. See, leaders don't get to make decisions with all the facts. If you have all the facts, you have history. If you don't have all the facts, you have leadership. In fact, in the corporate world, they'll say that the average leader has to make decisions based on 60% of the facts. That means you have 60% of the information and that's what you make the decisions on. Now, that being said, because you make those decisions based on that, um, sometimes those decisions are going to be wrong. And sometimes you're going to kick yourself and say, why did I make that decision? The reason you made that decision is you didn't have all the facts, but you had to make a decision. So that being said, I just want you to understand that leadership is hard because you have to make decisions when you don't have history on your side. And if you wait till there's history, you'll find out that you will paralyze an organization. The organization works because decisions are made, but decisions are usually made with about 60% of the information and in my world and a lot of prayer. The next one. Helping others when you're hurting. There's a lesson I recently did on uh, basically uh, surviving as a leader. But one of the stories I tell is when I just started this church in Jenny and I had started this church that uh, Casey, our daughter, had been diagnosed uh, with a heart ailment. Now, this is 36 years ago. So we're talking about a long period of time. But we had just started the church, and all of a sudden we're faced with the fact that we're being told by the doctor that your daughter can die any second, any moment. Now, I'm not going to go into elaborate detail, but because of when this was, medical science has changed a lot. Back then they couldn't do the surgery until she was a year old. So I'm going to spend a year knowing that every time I'm preaching in the back of my head, I'm being told, by the time you finish this sermon, your daughter will be dead. Now, that information wasn't widely known in our church. It couldn't be. I'm there to help others. Now, the church, and I have key leaders that will do anything for Jenny and me. But but here's the fact. In leadership, you help others even when you're hurting, even when your marriage is struggling, even when your life is against the wall, you help others. So helping others when you're hurting, that's one of the reasons leadership is hard.
eight reasons, being criticized for actions you can never tell the real story, having to remain silent when others get to talk, taking the hit for mistakes others have made, being committed to a team when the team may not be committed, creating a team atmosphere when the players keep changing, making sacrifices people never see, having to make decisions without all the facts, and helping others when you are hurting. Someone says, well, you didn't give us any answers. I did. Leadership is hard. That's why many are called, but few are chosen. Most people who are called will never make the choices to be a high-profile leader because leadership is hard. Hey, as I mentioned at the beginning, the book 1 Corinthians 13 is a great book. If you want that, you can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries. Also, uh, beginning um, in uh, September, I have a couple of roundtables. You can go online. One of them will be in the South Dallas area, and uh, it's a middle September date. And then I will be up in the Northeast about an hour and a half outside Boston. If any of you are up that way, I'd love to have you uh, sign up and be a part of this uh, leadership roundtable. Both of those are great, great opportunities to learn and grow. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.